ever since you were a child, you had a recurring dream. And when you came to America, your dream came true. But then thankfully, and let's not forget that you are full of thanks, lots more happened as well. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. So one day it was a beautiful fall morning. It was still warm. So in my house, we have a beautiful patio. So I go out since the patio is like just right outside. I just have shorts on, t-shirt, no shoes. And I go out and somehow my doors got locked back to the house. And I'm like, first I'm kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, such a ruta thing, I'd say. But then I look at my phone, it has like 16% of battery. And I text my roommates and they're at work. One works in Bethesda, that's far. One works in Dupont Circle and has a meeting. And I'm like, hmm. And I have a meeting later in that day. And then I, it kicks, like, I realize, oh, my God, I have no shoes. I cannot even go anywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, how do I get out of here? My roommate texted that he's going to uh, try to leave after the meeting right away. So he said, if you can make it to, like, uh, my work, uh, I will give you keys. I call an Uber. I get on an Uber. I'm like, hey, sorry, I have no shoes on. <laughs> they don't seem to care at all. But funny was stepping the moment where, like, I go to Dubon Circle, which is the most central place of D.C., and I get out of Uber. I have no shoes, like, <laughs> dirty T-shirt <laughs> and, like, shorts. And every, everyone is around with suits, right? <laughs> Luckily, I go there. I sit down and uh, I get my keys right away. I call Uber. My phone dies on Uber already. So I get home and I make it to the meeting that day. But the funniest thing, I think, why I still laugh about this story is that I have this recurring dream in my life where I go somewhere and I have no shoes. <laughs> so I would I would say like, oh, I had this dream when I was in school. I would leave to school with no shoes. Now I have dreams like when I, where I leave to the airport with no shoes. And I'm like, I don't know what it means. And this happened. So I laugh and I say, oh, I can probably say that my dreams came true in America. <laughs> This week, thank you, thank you, thank you. Aspiring to go slow and meeting your human rights heroes. Join us on a journey from Lithuania to Washington, D.C. and following the Ruta of Ruta. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them, they are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. My name is Ruta Binorute, and I come from Lithuania, and I'm here part of a a professional internship program administrated by Council on International Educational Exchange, CIE. And I work here as a legal fellow at International Bar Association, and I work on human rights issues and documenting human rights abuses in North Korea and its detention centers. I 
I was a human rights advocate and news junkie since I was probably eight or nine years old. And I have a proof of that. I recently, like two years ago, I found my school diary in which we had to put our dreams. And I found one note of where I said, I dream of a world where everyone are friends. And I explicitly said, I want Americans and Afghanis to be friends. And I want Lithuanians to be friends with everyone else. Mind you, that was 2002. Clearly, I was watching too, too much news. Uh, and I was just dreaming of peace. But it's more about, I guess, a coexistence, which I still believe in. When I found that note, I was showing it to my mom. And I was like, look, mom, I'm, on, I'm in the right path because I'm, doing, I'm studying journalism right now. This is, a, it, this is a good start of my career that I kind of predetermined when I was little in primary school. When I arrived, I had this question in my mind. Do I even speak English? Because sometimes the most difficult moments were in the very beginning where would, like, I would go to a restaurant or I would go to a store and it would, the people would be asking me questions, especially when ordering food. Oh, do you want this on the side or do you want this ingredient? And I would be like, what are these words? You face different accents. That's another challenge. I always... Uh, Remember the first time ordering a bagel where they right away ask you plain everything or sesame seeds and you're like, what? <laughs> I just want a bagel. <laughs> but I kind of I kind of figured it out by now. Funny enough, my friend was visiting from Lithuania and she was ordering a bagel and she got the right, the same question. And she turned to me looking like confused and I was like, I got you girl. You, 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 you take everything bagel with cream cheese. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, Americans are too nice to the lover world where they're fake. There is actually an interesting story how all the Baltic American Freedom Foundation fellows, we met for an enrichment trip in Nashville, and we had a workshop where we were in different groups, and we had a bunch of words there, and we had to put five most important values and five least important values to Americans, and that's from our perspective. Some things different, like education, some groups put it as like most important, some as least important. But one thing I think we all put as least important was honesty. This workshop was guided by, by an American person and she was just trying to understand why. She was like, why do you think uh, Americans are not honest? And everyone had like kind of the same argument. Oh, Americans just say, hey, how are you? And they just run away. They close the door <laughs> and you, you're just there standing saying, hey, good. And no one's listening. She actually did a good explanation, which I think changed my perception on that, is that it's just the way we say hello. Sometimes in Lithuanian, that would be labadiana. It's like good day or good morning is labasiritas. It's two words, right? So that's American way of saying hello. Some, it's just like more words. It doesn't mean sometimes that they want to hear the answer. Sometimes they do really want to hear an answer. And I usually do give an answer. I'm, I, and I usually get an answer back. I feel like my experience is completely different. I find Americans being very kind, 
very friendly, very encouraging people. That was definitely an assumption that seemed to be right before coming, and it changed. I feel like uh, the smiles I, I get from Americans, I, I don't see them as fake. I see them as very honest, and I think it uh, even encourages me to smile more. One of the things I learned, and I would love more people to learn, is to say thank you. Americans love saying thank you. It's like, thank you before you did something, thank you for while doing that, and thank you after. It's funny because sometimes uh, I was even telling my boss, Michael, how nice it is that people say thank you to their bus drivers. When I arrived, I was also always thinking, oh, did I say thank you? Like in my mind, I would be worried. I was like, oh, did I say thank you? Did I say thank you? So, And there was, there was a moment where my boss was say, saying congratulations on something. And then I go back to my desk and I sit there and I'm like, oh, did I say thank you? And I go back and I say, hey, Michael, I don't know if I told if, if I said thank you, but thank you. <laughs> and he was laughing and saying, yeah, you did say thank you. I was like, I just don't want to seem like I'm rude, but uh, I want to say thank you. So I feel like I learned that for sure, like to say thank you for so, so many times. It, it doesn't cost you anything, right? But it just makes things better. Another very American thing I'd say, which I really like, is saying thank you for your service for people in public office or veterans or rescue departments. I feel like that's very nice, and I like to say that to, to people that I think are doing important stuff too. becoming po more, more popular all across the world. It's the movement of slowing down. And I think I, I learned about this last year, year while writing my thesis. I came across this uh, term of slow TV. That's a thing in Norway. They broadcast that seven hour long uh, train ride from one city to Oslo. And surprisingly enough, uh, many Norwegians tuned in to watch that. And then there are more things, right? Slow journalism, slow food, slow travel is a thing now. And when I arrived here, I noticed that people are in a rush here. And I noticed myself, I'm in a rush. And I work in a really relaxed office. I'd say my office is really relaxed. There is not, not that many stressful moments. Sometimes I feel like I'm anxious for no reason for like, oh, I have to run, I have to run. So I would definitely bring that thing. I think just to slow down, uh, have a work-life balance. I would say that's a very European thing, as well as being bored. Like that program of train ride has many probably hours where you get bored. But I like how the producers were saying that kind of represents our life. Sometimes we were bored and that's okay.
the first thing you, when you start playing soccer, you have to learn to call it soccer, right? When you come from Europe, <laughs> that's when you know you got it right when you don't call it football anymore. I arrived here and I was talking to my roommate saying I want to play some soccer. And he said, oh, DC has a lot of social leagues that I can enroll. So I just signed up for one social league and funny enough, I was randomly picking teams and I saw a name Hot Potato. If anything, that's the closest to me because Lithuanians eat a lot of potatoes. I'm like, I'm gonna go for this. And it was the best decision I've made so far <laughs> here. So I was the only one outsider coming in. So I come to the first practice and I say, hey, I'm gonna play with you guys. And I mean, since then, I feel like they, I'm part of that team. And now, now I'm gonna leave and they're saying, hey, we're gonna miss you. But soccer is, is super fun to play here. We are really bad in playing soccer, <laughs> I'd say, but uh, we're the most social team on, on the league. And I feel that's the real meaning of that game. I do not really know how to play soccer that well. I had to learn a lot of things here. I feel like playing with Americans is pretty nice because everyone's, maybe it's because it's a show, social league. After the game, even when we lose, zero to eight we just say good game good game and we're like so happy anyway we're like we really tried hard so i'd say we're more uh american way of playing soccer at least in miley is more optimistic more we're not sad after losing the game I think while being here in Washington, D.C., some of the greatest things that I experienced was going to a lot of uh, events that take place here. Sometimes these events were with people that I maybe wrote about in my thesis or organizations like Freedom House that I kind of relied while doing my research. And then I sit here in D.C. and I get an email saying, join us for report lounge and I get to go there and sit and listen to them. And these are the moments where you sit down and you're like, whoa, this is the place where I want to be. These are the issues I care about. And these issues are ranging from human rights, like such as minority rights, but mostly it's about, for me, freedom of expression and media freedom. And I think being here in the States, it's a perfect place to realize the importance of media. United States has such a strong, I'd say, culture and strong traditions in things like rule of law, democracy, media. So it's a perfect place to understand these values and how strong they are. So it always makes me even fight for these values even more. Just because like what's happening in Europe now, in certain countries like Hungary, what we see with media happen, it kind of worries me and I'm like concerned about my country. So being here, I kind of get that strength of independence of media and how strong we have to defend it. So I'd say like these areas while being here are the ones that I'm like, oh, this is my passion. This is something I would want to work on. I got to go to attend Oslo Freedom Forum. That was in New York. 
And for anyone who works in the area of human rights, I'd say that's like a pretty high level conference. And I knew that uh, Gary Kasparov, a Russian human rights activist and a former world chess champion, is going to be there. And I was like, oh, it's going to be so interesting just to listen to him talk and see him live because it's he's quite a figure even known back in Lithuania, right? So I was really happy when I arrived at that event and just before the event started, he was just like walking around the conference uh, area, hanging out, talking to people. And I was like, if that's the moment I should go and say thank you. <laughs> thank you, as we do it in America. So I go up to him and I, 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 I introduce myself, I shake hands, and it's a really proud moment. You know this person, and it's not just you, like your parents know who this is. We had a short conversation about Lithuania, because he's great, a friend of Lithuania too, and we shake hands, we take a picture, and I, I send that picture to my office saying, I'm I'm already like achieved a lot in this conference before it even started. I do feel optimistic in not only thinking about Lithuania. I had experience in Turkey, the internship that I, 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 I did there. I saw my supervisor being in prison for the work he does. You know, when you see people like that, you're like, oh, these are the right, like these are the true human rights defenders, right? And these are the people that inspire you. I met a lot of people like that here in DC. Since I work on North Korea, there were like North Korean defectors that I got to meet probably anywhere there's not no place like Washington, D.C. that also would have so many people that not necessarily have any connection to North Korea, but they are so passionate to to work on that, these issues and help these people living there. So this makes me very optimistic. get to meet people who are like in such a risk of doing their work like human rights defenders i got to meet a lawyer from sudan who works now in as a refugee in uganda and he was before detained and in prison because of the work and he still is doing that work you know and you meet those people and you're like wow if if they don't give up fight for that like how can you and now especially with the technology it's going to be harder for bad guys to get away with crimes that they do. I have a lot of hope and op optimism because of that. There are satellite imageries that show crimes against humanity. There are apps, like even IBA has an app of eyewitness where you can record uh, a crime that you see. There are flash drives uh, smuggled into North Korea to bring in uh, information. Because of development of technology, we get to do this, and I feel like it's not going. It's not gonna go back. It's just gonna go forward. The time of silence is gone, and now the bad guys will have to be accountable for whatever they do in the future.
I always have this uh, internal argument with myself. I I do love Lithuania, and I'm a, I have this Lithuanian heart, but my mind is always like somewhere outside, right? Like it's global mind. I think about cases. I'm concerned about uh, human rights defenders or journalists being in jail in Turkey. I'm concerned about people dying in North Korea or anywhere, anywhere else in the world. When you try to compile those two, human rights issues and love to your own country, sometimes it is hard to, to see where you can, like, where is the area you could help. But if I ever go back to journalism, that might be an answer. You can write about things that ha are happening in North Korea or Turkey or Venezuela or you name it, Hungary, but also somehow contribute to your own country's knowledge. In the long term, I see myself working for organizations that are defending journalists themselves. Even though I'm very optimistic about future, I don't think there's going to be a point where we don't need them anymore. When I close my eyes, I definitely see Bloomingdale, the neighborhood I live, the most beautiful neighborhood in the city that I've. I, I, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> subjective on this point because it's my neighborhood too, but no, it has this be these beautiful Victorian-style houses that are all types of colors, and I just like keep taking pictures and keep taking pictures <laughs> of these houses, and for me, that's the view of the sea, uh, and of course, corals. If I close my eyes, I see squirrels running around. And I didn't know, but I'm afraid of squirrels. And I found out that I should be. <laughs> there are, sometimes they get a little too aggressive. Like in places like Grand Canyon, we were told if they bite you, you have to get a rabies shot. Some people have assumption that they're friendly and nice animals. There are maybe in some other countries like Lithuania <laughs> where they're afraid of people. Here in the sea, they just feel like your friend hanging out on your patio. I found out here that uh, my name, Ruta, in Spanish means uh, proud. That's the most beautiful meaning of my name that I, I've heard. Because I, I like to think about my life like as a route. And, and even my Instagram bio now says route of fruta. <laughs> I should just put it ruta of fruta. Twenty-two-thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two-thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Ruta Bienarute discussed her time in the United States as part of the Private Sector Professional Internship Program. For more about private sector and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. 
We encourage you to subscribe to 2233, and you can leave us a nice review while you're at it, and we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and a complete episode transcript can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov2233. Special thanks this week to Ruta for her stories. I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was La Palazza by Gustava Crocenzi by Jazz Friends, and Surly Bonds, Seamless, and Donna Lee all by Blue Dot Sessions. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music, as always, is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time.